Hello and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews, the Movie Review Podcast that will slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing. And this month's theme has no name. I'm just doing the prominent movies. Why, I hear you ask? Why? Because this franchise turns 40 this year. And I've been wanting to do these movies for quite a while now. And this is one wild ride of a franchise, from a straight whodunit, to a haunted prom crowns, to Nightmare Bunny Boilers, of course the Naughties remake. First up, uh, we have Scream Queen, Jim Lee Curtis, hot off the heels of Halloween and The Fog, cementing her Scream Queen name. Also in this is Printed Gun, Leslie Nielsen, in one of his last non-comedic roles. So dust off that tux, dig out that prom dress, and disco dive into this. It's prom night, everything's gonna be alright. Ugh, God, that song. Try to get that song out of your bloody well head, that's a fucking nightmare and a half. And on that, the prom scenes were shot with actual disco hits, but the studio couldn't afford them, so composer Paul Zaza was given five days to make sound-alike songs, which is why they're kind of off. With its... A 1.5 million Canadian budget. This thing pulled in 14.9 million. Starring Leslie Nielsen, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Tuff, Anne-Marie Martin, David Mucci and Brock Simpson. Directed by Paul Lynch. The plot. It's senior prom and a killer is picking off his victims. As six years earlier, a group of friends cover up the death of a schoolmate and now... They're back for revenge, the killer that is. Who is the killer? How will they be stopped? Why wait six years? What will happen to the loudmouth bully? A find out a here. So the movie opens up on a dirty old mirror reflecting an empty school. We hear children playing a game called The Killer Is Coming. Kind of like hide and seek. Only if you're caught by the killer, you're dead and must follow the killer around behind them weird. Why wasn't this the killer's MO instead of the Black Christmas meets Saturday Night Fever with a hint of Halloween? Hmm. Anyway, we meet the kids. Nick, played by Brock Simpson, who stars in all these prominent movies. Wendy, played by Leslie Scott. Robin, played by Tammy Bourne. Alex, played by Dean Bosak. Kim, played by Debbie Greenfield. Jude, uh, Judy rather, played by Kate Forbes. And Kelly, played by Joyce Kitt. Wendy is picked as the killer. It's must count to 50 with the others running hide. All the others hide in disgusting places in this ruined old school. Some are in classrooms with peeling paint off the walls. You just know this is fucking lead paint and asbestos everywhere. While others hide in toilets and rusted old shower rooms. Utterly fucking disgusting. And note, this isn't actually a school but an abandoned jail called Longstaff Farm Jail. As Wendy starts to hunt her, starts her hunt, sorry, brother and sister Alex and Kim arrive. Kim seems to be unwanted, whereas Alex is popular. As Alex runs in, Wendy goes in all alone. As the titles start, the creepy ass music starts to play as she does. Kim searches for her brother as the other kids hide from her. Wendy, on the meantime, has picked off most of her victims and has them all chilling behind her. Kim finds Nick, who gets pissy at her for giving away his hiding spot. So suddenly, he turns on her, calling her the killer, and then she's around the empty school and other kids join in. 
Now, see, wait, hold on a second here. I thought the whole point of this game was to avoid the killer, not gang up on the killer. Eh, okay then. They surround Kim and push around, chanting, The killer is coming! The killer is coming! She gets away, however, uh, so they chase her down, chanting, Kill! 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 In the most obnoxious fucking way. As a frightened Kim stutters, Wendy comes up from behind, forcing up on a window ledge, from which Kim falls to her death onto the old mirror below. The kids panic and scatter after swearing never to tell anyone, all led by Wendy, who all but forces them into a blood oath. As the children run for it, on their bikes, a pane of glass falls from the window and cuts Kim's body in half. It's a tad dark, isn't it? For crying out loud. That night, we see Kim's father, Mr. Hammond, played by the late, great Leslie Nielsen, looking out the window as his dead daughter lays under it, cut into pieces. As he tearfully walks through the halls, we hear a voiceover telling us she was a victim of sexual assault. I must have fought back only to be killed. Wow! Dark much! Also, didn't they have rip kits in the 80s or ways of telling if the girl was actually interfered with? Up pulls a police car with Mrs. Hammond put by Antoinette Bauer in it. So Sir Hammond runs out to shield her as the body pieces of her daughter is carried away in two separate body bags. Really, mate? You couldn't have picked a better time to pull up in a fucking police car as a fucking corner is taking away the two body pieces? Dear, oh dear. Up runs Alex and an unnamed little girl, only to be taken away by police as their mother cries on her husband's shoulder. Wow, this is really fucking dark for a cheap 80s slasher. Wait a minute here. Kim isn't dead, it's Robin. Kim is an unnamed little girl from earlier. See, this is the problem with 80s low-budget horror movies. No one is fucking named, I swear to God. I had to rewind this thing back twice to get this fucking victim's name for crying out loud. Also, this twist does not work. And I may as well spoil it right now. Actually, no, I'm not going to spoil it right now. I'll leave it on. So fast forward six years as now adult Kim, played by Jim Lee Curtis, and adult Alex, now played by Michael Tuff, is leaving a rose at Robin's graveside. Which means the Hammonds had triplets as Alex and Kim are supposed to be 18, even though Jimmy Curtis is 22 here and looks every inch of it. Even if Kim is the older sister, then this makes no bloody sense. Unless she was held back two years, why would she be going to senior prom with these two juniors? I mean, that makes no sense. Moving on, because that's for a wrap-up, I'm only 10 minutes into this fucker, so, hmm. Next day, we see Mr. Hammond dropping off Alex and Kim at school, and we find out he is the head teacher, or dean. Cue red heading number one, Mr. Sykes, played by Robert Silverman, the school creepy-ass janitor, peeping Tom wannabe, and this guy couldn't be even more of a killer type if they tried. Come over haircut, thick rim glasses taped in the middle, but of course, and of course, the creepy 40-yard stare. So that night, the killer starts to call their victims on the phone as he puts the pen and pencil down end-to-end end over and over again. His first victim is now adult Judy, played by Joy Thompson. The killer tells her they'll see her at the prom that night. As Judy leaves her house, a green shagging wagon pulls up, driven by Seymour Slick Crane, played by Sheldon Rabowski. He asks her to prom, 
I mean, talk about stranger danger here, or indeed toxic fucking masculinity. This little boy just drives up, little boy. This guy just drives up in, in a shagging wagon and goes, Hey babe, do you want to go to the prom? And she agrees. She then gets in and they drive off. What in the actual fuck movie? Oh my god. Next to be called is adult Kelly, played by Mary Beth Rubens, who just hangs up on him. At the front doorbell rings, so Kelly goes to see who it is. No one is there, however. But her boyfriend, Drew, played by Jeff Winnicott, comes in the back door. Leave it. So Kelly tells him about the prank call, but he just brushes her off. As always interested in is sex. Next to be called is now adult Nick, played by Casey Stevens. But he ignores it, as his father is Lieutenant McBride, played by George Talutis. He rushes them out the door. He's late for school. Seems he is Wendy's ex and is now dating Kim. More voiceover as we see Tim McBride reading a police report on a paedophile they were chasing for Robin's death. He crashed and burned up in a car, in a car crash and has been hospital in a coma ever since the events of six years earlier. Red heading number two. In walks. Psychiatrist Dr. Fairchild, played by David Gardner, to be told by Lieutenant McBride the paedophile is in a coma, but he has woken up and is now on the loose. Finally, to be called is Wendy, now played by Anne-Marie Martin. She ever sass talks the killer and hangs up him to run to school in her red Corvette. As in school, the high school bully slash bad boy Lou, played by David Mucci, I think a Stephen King greaser, who looks about fucking 25, yeah, it's picking on the girls as Judy tells Kelly and Kim she's ready to go. In, she's ready to go to the prom with Slick. Real love. Kim catches Nick in arms of Wendy, who then kisses him in front of her. And what a complete bitch this Wendy is. Meanwhile, back at the abandoned old school, McBride finds the nurse's dead body. The mental patient kidnapped and killed. The mental patient pedophile that is. By the way, can this be any more cliched? A disfigured mental patient who escapes on prom night to hunt down his victims? Red herring. Oh, and this pedophile has no bloody well name. The nurse has been cut up using a piece of mirror, and her green Volkswagen Beetle, or Bug, has been stolen along with... Well, he's took the car, basically. Really? How very Ted Bundy of this movie. Dr. Fairbank looks at the cut-up nurse's body and then walks off in disgust, warning McBride he has a killer in on his hands out for revenge. But this plot goes nowhere. Fairchild then tells McBride to put a lot on it, as they don't want to spread fear. After all, this is prom night! Really, mate? You're going to stop a fucking... Oh my god, this movie's ridiculous. Back at school, Kim checks out the dance floor and disco dances as Wendy watches on from the stage. She mocks her for her dance moves, then she threatens her to stay away from Nick after prom once he becomes king because she wants him back. What the fuck? What a raging bitch this Wendy is. Cue the line, quote, it's not who you go with, it's who you who takes you home, which is in all the prominent movies. Cut to the killer ripping out pictures of the, his victims, or their victims rather, from the yearbook. Later at lunch, in a dining hall, Lou attacks Kim while wearing a black ski mask, so Alex saves her and fights Lou. Well, first he takes on his lackeys, which he does, makes, well, well punch him in the face basically and makes short work of him. So Lou literally backstabs Alex by punching him in the small of the back, and Alex is down and out. 
security finally comes in to break it up as seconds later Lou is in Mr. Hammond's office being kicked out of school and banned from prom. Seems he's been doing this for years and this is the final straw. Alex, however, gets away with a slap on the wrist. Meanwhile, Wendy is still trying to get back with Nick and trying to get her brutal little meat hooks into him but he's having none of it. As he walks away, she says, oh, you'll be mine. Yeah, love. No means fucking no. So back to Mr. Hammond, who has now thrown away Lou's black ski mask, which is important for later. As outside, the nurse's stolen VW bug drives past the window. Back at the police station, McBride is looking at a map, trying to figure out where the killer will strike next. He's also piecing together why the paedophile disfigured insane patient waited all this time to get revenge. Eh, uh, hello, red herring. This subplot goes bloody well nowhere. To a sandy cliff as Nick is taking Kim on a romantic stroll, trying to smooth things over with her. Now wait a minute here, this is on school property. Also, much like in Friday the 13th, this is Robin's birthday. Handy that. So it's prom night and Robin's birthday slash death day and wow, the plants are really aligned for this moon. Anyway, Nick tells Kim he's sorry for Robin's death as it flashes back to them as kids being little brats. Cut to Wendy speeding up to the local drive-in diner to, I don't know, rip off Kerry as she sweet-talks Lou into spoiling the prom while buying off with all-we-can-eat food. Okay, I know Wendy is a raging bitch and she hates Kim for, quote, stealing Nick. But come on, love, you can do better as knuckle-dragging fucking Lou. I mean, Jesus Christ. Back at school, Kim is having private tennis lessons as a creepy janitor is perving on him while picking up trash. Okay, are we sure this guy's been vetted? He's a little bit off. Cut to Kim and Kelly in the shower. What else? Discussing boys. Across the locker room, Wendy finds her torn out yearbook photograph, taped to the inside of her locker, and instantly blames Kim. Because of course she does. Wendy storms out, leaving Kim and Kelly to talk about whether or not to have sex after the prom. Okay. They hear a mirror smashing, so go to investigate. They find a mirror smashed in what looks like punch patterns, so out they go to half-dressed to find out who did it. A great idea there, go outside half-naked to investigate something. Why do we do this in horror movies all the bloody well time? It makes no fucking sense. Of course, they find nothing. When they go back inside, they find a huge shard of mirror is missing. Kim runs to the gym, where the prom is getting set up for rehearsal of the King and Queen coronation. Wait a minute here. I thought the King Queen was voted on the night of the prom, not picked long beforehand. Anyway, much like in Kerry with Travolta and Nancy Allen, Lou and Wendy look in from the wings to plan what they'll do to get revenge at that night's prom. Back to the creepy janitor, clean up the mirror shards, and since the music plays, I get it, he's a red herring. Got to beat with the bloody head of a fucking sledgehammer. This movie... Kim is wandering around the hallways alone for reasons. She's spooked by a loud noise and runs for it because, I don't know, too much cocaine. <laughs> As Judy opens up her locker, she finds her yearbook photograph with a mirror shard stuck in its neck. Up walks Kelly with her picture in hand and she just stand there in shock for about fucking 40 seconds before the camera cuts. What the hell? Cut to two cops. Patrolling, looking for the stolen VW Beetle. 
or bug. As later, Wendy is on the phone having phone sex with Lou. Okay. Back to Kim, who is getting ready for her big night. Outside, Mr. Hammond takes his tearful wife to the prom to supervise it. Yeah, great plan there, mate, you insensitive twat. The night your daughter's death, you have your wife supervising the fucking prom. Wow. From the shadows, someone is watching. As inside, Kim puts on other finishing touches as Alex puts on Kim's pearl necklace for her. Nick shows up in a hideous blue Sky blue tuxedo to take Kim to the prom in her horrible pink dress. As ah, Hades, the decade fashion forgot. Meanwhile, Wendy, with her father faucet haircut and cheap looking red prom sequence dress, waits for Lou to pick her up, which he does drunk, wearing a tux t shirt with the, his boys in the back of the car. Say us a love, you can do much, much better. He rolls off in his piece of shit car, swigging Jack Daniels as he does. And I gotta love the fucking 80s where you can drink drive. At the school, it's empty with all the doors chained and locked up tight. All but the gymnasium, which has the prom in full swing. In all its disco glory. As it sounded like disco hits play, Alex looks on the dance floor. As everyone is having a good time from the DJ booth. Assuming he doesn't have a date then. Oh dear, oh dear. He went from popular to misfit. Judy and Slick now arrive. I really love you can do much better. You're like a foot taller than he is for crying out loud. Bride is watching from the wings. As his <coughs> undercover cops. Pervon underage girls. I just love the fucking 80s. I mean. Cut to Kim. Awkwardly dancing with her dad, as he casually tells her he had to give his wife a pill to calm her down. What the fuck, movie? In walks Lou and Wendy. So, to make her jealous, Nick and Kim disco dance, Saturday Night Fever style, to Prom Night theme song. Which is one hell of an earworm. And this right here, for the sheer cheese factor, gets five points right off the bat. This is hilarious in its unadulterated 80s disco-ness. And please, for the love of all good things in this world, pause this podcast right now and Google Jimmy Lee Curtis Prom Night Dance. The dance moves are hilarious. You will thank me later. Oh, wait, we're on Christmas. Do it now. Look it up already. I'll wait. Seriously, look it up now. Still waiting. Anyway, I wonder what this song they were dancing to originally, because the dance moves do not go with prom night, but moving on. And I'm loving Wendy just drilling daggers into Kim from across the dance floor, as Lou pours on her with his two stone-faced lackeys watching on. Finally, after five minutes of utter unadulterated cheese, the horror can now start. In the toilets, the girls talk about Wendy and how jealous Kim made her look. Okay, just a tad bitchy there. Also, Kelly is still worrying if her boyfriend wants to go all the way. Wow, real in-depth look at girls here. What's the matter? No money and a budget left for a fucking pillow fight for crying out loud. I mean, oh dear, oh dear. The girls leave Kelly alone to fix her makeup. Meanwhile, Wendy leaves Lou on the dance floor after his moves, which I can't fucking blame her to be honest. And I just love how he has a tuxedo jacket, a tuxedo t-shirt, and torn jeans. Spared no expense then. 
That's what spared all expense, crying out loud. In a locker room, Kelly finally puts out for her boyfriend. She can't do it ever, and I don't blame her one little bit. His idea of romance is shagging on a wooden bench with stinking American football tops lying all over a place. He storms off with bully balls, leaving her to have her throat slit by the broken mirror shard from behind in super slow motion. Meanwhile, as the prom rages on, Kelly's boyfriend picks another girl, so he's a complete selfless twat then. Selfish rather twat. Outside the gym, McBride gets a call saying they found the VW bug. As outside in a parking lot, Judy gets her V-card punched by Slick in his shagging wagon. And note, uh, this van was stolen the night before filming. The killer sticks up just as Slick's big finish and he's got to go for a pee as you do. And who said romance is bloody well dead? Judy gets a blanket from the van and suggests they have sex on a cliff top. Really, who the hell has sex on a sandy cliff top? With the killer watching from the woods, Slick feels spooked, so returns to the van to have a joint, as you do. This is the fucking 80s after all. And once inside, the killer strikes by stabbing Judy to death with a mirror shard, shouting, Now! 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 Over and over and over again. Slick sees this and sticks the can, the, the can, the van, into drive and tries to run over the killer, but without his glasses on, he drives in circles and off the cliff. As the killer, now dressed in all black, wearing Lou's ski mask from earlier, dives out last second, the van then explodes in a huge fireball as it rolls downhill, because of course this is the fucking 80s, everything explodes. As I said earlier, this was a real van. Uh, which was stolen by a member of the crew, so I had to do this to hide the fact they stole the van. What the fuck movie? Meanwhile, back in the gym, the prom is still in full swing, and my lord announcing. In the hallways, the creepy janitor gets drunk. As in the toilets, Wendy is touching up her makeup. The killer turns off the lights, and then tries to chop Wendy with a fire axe, but misses, so chases her around the halls with it. All the doors are chained shut, however, she has nowhere to go. So she runs upstairs to an unlocked chemistry lab, where, yes, you have guessed it, the killer finds her in 3.2 seconds. However, she gets away, so the chase is still on. Eh, uh, hello, love, just returned to the prom, where there's 100 people and three armed fucking cops. But no, she has to go run down to the fucking workshop, where she hides inside a car, which the killer finds her in with an ease. She fights back her with a tire jack, with nowhere else to go, she runs inside to the janitor's closet, where she finds Judy's body, so screams, so the killer asks her a question, now, chopping her up off screen, but of course, McBride is pulled away by a cop to tell him they have caught the paedophile escaped mental patient 50 miles outside of town, so with that he just walks with a smile on his face, like I said that fucking subplot goes nowhere, what was a pointless fucking subplot, oh god. Back to the prom, it's crowning time. However, not before McBride arrests the now drunk janitor as he's trying to explain there's a killer on loose. Listen, I just take away in handcuffs. Lou and his lackeys sneak backstage to beat up Nick and hold Kim down as Lou has his way with her. What the f? The killer has a better idea, however, as he chops off Lou's head with one swing of the axe, causing it to roll down the catwalk with Lou's decapitated head standing up. 
uh, the panic grips the prom and all the teenagers run for it. And note, the director had to hold David Mucci's hand as he pretty much broke down on set. He had a panic attack. Now it is on. The killer versus Nick and Kim. And note, during this fight scene, Jimmy Curtis did all her own stunts. And my God, this is a strobe-like disco ball mess with all three actors frilling around the floor like a fucking fish out of water. As Nick and the killer struggled on the dance floor, Kim just stands there with the axe in her hand waiting for a chance to strike. Finally, after 30 painfully long seconds, she strikes the killer on the side of the head. He recoils and she looks into his eyes. She knows who the killer is. Are you ready for this one? It's Alex, her brother! who then runs off to be almost shot by cops. He dies in Kim's arms as the bratty kids are shown screaming, kill, 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 and Robin's death is replayed yet again. Alex then shouts, they killed her, Robin! He then dies in Kim's arms as credits roll. Right, so this makes no sense here. As I said earlier, Alex and Robin were supposed to be twins and Kim was either the older sister or a triplet, I guess older sister. But why should they go to the same prom as Alex if she's older than he is? Moving on, that was Prom Night 1980, a mix of Halloween, Black Christmas, Carrie and Friday the 13th, which does not work. Even though this is only 90 minutes long, this fucker drags. The girls have no chemistry. Trying to force Kerry Light prom, prom twist into this does not work. The acting is poor all around, especially from Jim Lee Bloody Well Curtis. The only thing that saves this for me is the disco dancing, because it's utterly hilarious. For that, it gets a 5 out of 10. So I'll come back next week as I look at Prom Night 2. Hello, Mary Lou. I love that title and the rest of the month for the rest of the movies. And note, I will not be doing Prom Night 4 because that was a spec script with the Prom Night name slapped onto it, much like House 4. Eh, uh, 3 rather. Anyway, don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's a Johnny's a Pod and email me more suggestions to Here's a Johnny's a Reviews at gmail.com Check out my other horror franchise podcasts of House, Hellraiser, Resident Evil, Underworld and more. Also my solo podcast of Halloween 2018, The Fog, Christine, Carrie and many, many more. Uh, bye. And remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. I don't have to polish my disco balls.